so glad everyone's here for Easter Sunday. Thank you, band, for helping lead us in singing and worshiping our Lord. <laughs> Wish we're going to continue to do it as we look at what it means that for Easter, what, how, why we celebrate. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for how you love us. Thank you for this Sunday that we can celebrate and rejoice together that you sent your Son to die for us, but not only that, to rise for us. That he saves us through his sacrifice, that he gives us new life, that he rose to have victory over sin and death so that we can have hope for what awaits us. Lord, I pray for this time as we open up your word and we see the truth of Easter, of the gospel, that we can be moved to understand it, to know it, to love it, and to share it with others. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Easter is a time when we celebrate and we remember what is central to our faith, which is the gospel. That Jesus Christ, truly God and truly man, would die for our sins on the cross, would give us his right standing with God, and then he would rise from the grave three days later, conquering death. And when we think about this message, this gospel message, what we celebrate on Easter, we can admit that is strange. There's a strangeness to this message. For we live in the 21st century, and people might not receive it all that well. For when you think about the times in which we live, we live in an unheard of technological advancement. That we can fly around the globe in a tin can, and that's kind of normal. That we have computers in our pockets that are more powerful than NASA, NASA used to land people on the moon. That we have cured diseases and helped people with ailments that have never been helped before. That we've mapped our genetic code, and now you can spit it into a tube and send it to a company that can tell you where your ancestors came from. We live in a time of unheard of technological advancement, and yet we speak the message of the gospel to this time, and it can be strange. For we say unashamedly and unbashfully that around 2,000 years ago, there lived a man in a small, no-consequence Jewish town in a small Roman providence who was truly human and truly God. That he was born, and people predicted that he was going to be born. Prophecy spoke of his birth, his life, and his death. And we say boldly and without irony that this man lived a life without sin. That he lived a life that fully completed God's law that he had given to the Jewish people. And then that those same Jewish people cried for his death and the Roman government crucified him on the cross. But then three days later, he walked out of that tomb. We proclaim this message that this is the Lord of the universe who demands our total allegiance and this is his due, that we follow him and know him that we, knowing him, can be saved from our separation from God, that us knowing him can be brought into the family of God, that us, by knowing this man, Jesus Christ, we can be freed from the penalty of sin. Now, we can admit that this sounds like a strange message, that people nowadays might not receive it that well, but guess what? That's nothing new. For Paul, speaking to the church in Corinth, proclaimed that this message of Jesus Christ crucified was a stumbling block to the uh, Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. That people have always had a hard time understanding what this message meant, but yet it continues 
and it can grow. For two millennia, the church has grown as people have been convinced of the truthfulness of who Jesus Christ is and what he achieved for us that Sunday morning and that Good Friday before it. That he didn't stay dead, but he saved us through his life and his sacrifice. And Easter is a time to celebrate this gospel. We celebrate because it changes lives. We celebrate because when we know who Jesus is, our hearts are changed, our lives are changed, and everything about us is changed. And so we're going to take a look at what this gospel is and the importance of it. We're going to start in Jesus as Jesus talks in Matthew 8, verses 31 through verses 33. He says this, talking to his disciples before he was going to be tried and die, he said this, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. In this passage, Jesus lays out the gospel, what the events that must happen, that he must be rejected, he must suffer, he must be um, accused by the chief priest, and he must die for us. I was listening to a message by John Piper, and he really illustrated the mustness of the gospel, the necessity of the gospel. These things must happen. Jesus, looking into the future, he knew what awaited him and said, these things have to happen. I have to be rejected. I have to suffer. I have to be accused by the priest, and I have to die. I must die. Why is there a mustness to this gospel? Well, because the word spoke that this had to happen. That thousands of years before, hundreds of years before, when the prophets were uh, writing the Bible, they wrote down that there was going to be a Messiah, and he was going to come, and these things must happen. That the scripture recorded, we think of verses such as Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, which says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem, esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement, chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Scripture testified to this gospel. These things must happen because God wrote them in his word that they're going to happen. And if God wrote them in his word, we know that God's word is sure and it is planned. That when God speak, speaks, it's as good as done. This is why Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? That when God speaks a word, it happens. It's going to be fulfilled. And so when we see that this is written, we know the truth. That's sure, and it's planned, that God is in control. And so when we come to Easter, we see that even in the confusing times, such as Jesus being rejected, suffering, and dying, God had planned for those to happen. And if he had a plan... Those events had a purpose. There's a purpose behind Jesus being rejected and suffering and dying for us. That purpose is to bring us to God. That Jesus knew this. That's why he said in Mark 10, 45, that even the Son of Man 
did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That Jesus know that through his death, giving of his life, many would be saved. The cross and all that came with it, punctuated by that resurrection, the victory that Jesus rose from the grave, this is all part of God's plan. We must remember this, that when we think about the cross and Jesus rising from the grave, this is not plan B. It's not like something that, God, that the humans did that forced God or Jesus to do this. No, they planned this. It was the plan since the beginning that he was going to redeem his people, that he was going to save them through his death and his resurrection. And that's what we're celebrating today. And so there's a must-ness to the gospel, a necessity of these events. Because there's a necessity because there's an importance of the gospel. Paul speaking to the church in Corinth in uh, Corinthians 15 says this, And now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in blame. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the, with the Scriptures. We see, as Paul is reminding the, the church in Corinth, that there's an importance to this gospel, that these events that happened, that Jesus said must happen, are of first importance. They're the groundwork of our faith. They're central to what we believe Jesus did and accomplished for us. They're the good news that he saved us, that he, he died according to scriptures, that he was buried and he rose from the grave according to the scriptures. And this is of first importance. Why? Because the gospel is important for all of our life. Every single moment, every single breath of our life is important. Is the gospel central to that? Why? Because the gospel saves us. I love how Paul talks about this gospel he preached to the church in Corinth. He says, I preached it to you, past tense, that you are saved and that you received it. That the gospel saves. When someone comes to know the truth of who Jesus Christ, at that point, they are saved. It's happened. It's a done deal. The work is finished. It's complete. But Paul continues and says <clears throat> how you stand in that gospel. Somehow the gospel is presently active in our life. It's what we stand in. It's saving us right at this moment that every single day as we seek to follow Christ, as we seek to know him, we're standing in that gospel and it's presently saving us. Not only in that, but he says <clears throat> that Paul is not done. He says it's the gospel by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, that somehow, not only does the gospel save in the past and is saving right now, but it's saving presently into the future that if we hold on to Christ, he pulls us into the future. He pulls us across that finish line. He pulls us into the future we have with God that it is saving into the future. This is the importance of the gospel. Not only is it saved, not only is it saving, but it's saving into the future as we wait and expect what God is going to do in our lives that we never move past it. We can never add anything to it. It's a finished work, and that's why it's important for our life that Christ lived a life we could not live. We stumble and we fall. 
We make mistakes and we will, willfully disobey our Lord. But Christ lived a life of perfection following God's law. And then he went to the cross willingly for us. That on that cross, as he died, our sins were given to him. And his right standing, his righteousness was given to us. But then he rose from the grave. Victory, victorious over sin and death. Showing us what awaits us in the future, that we too will have new life with our God in heaven, in a new heavens, in a new earth. And so that is what we remain, we remember and celebrate this morning. Some people think the gospel is just that entrance into a life with God. Maybe it's how we get on God's good graces. Or maybe it's that ticket we get stamped and we're good. Or maybe it's just we get our name checked off a box. But I think when we read this, we see how it's important for all of life. That we need it for all of life. It should be present the present reality, reality for all of our life, that we live in light of it, we worship because of it, and we act based on it. That this is what saves us and is continuing to save us. And it saves us because there's a power in this gospel. Romans 1.16 is one of my favorite verses as Paul declares, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe, first for the Jew, then for the Greek. That there's a power in the gospel that when we hear this message and believe it, God uses this to save us. God uses this to change our lives. God uses this to pull us out of darkness and into light. God uses this to take dead people and bring them alive. God uses this to take sinners and make them saints. God uses this to take rebels and bring them into his family. That there's a power in this gospel that cannot be stopped. Because we should not be ashamed of it. Because this is the power of God for our salvation. That we're saved because of it. That the gospel is good news. For that's what gospel means. This means good news. That we celebrate and we remember something that has been achieved, something that has been done on our behalf, something that has been earned not by us, but by our Lord and Savior on the cross and through his, his resurrection, that he defeated death and the devil, that he brought us to God, that he brings us satisfaction and wholeness of being, for he is the only one who can satisfy that through him we are ushered before the throne of grace and can know God, and God can hear us. And through him we are made sons and daughters of the Most High. That's the gospel, the good news. The good news is that Jesus saves. The good news is that Jesus saves, which means we can stop trying to save ourselves. For if we look at our lives, I get in this habit too, we try to save ourselves all the time. We try to be good enough, thinking somehow that's going to work. It's not. You can't be good enough. We try to be nice enough. Guess what? That's not going to work either. We invest our lives into our work thinking, if I make it, if I make a name for myself, if I get that promotion or that job title, maybe I'll have security in life. No, that doesn't work. Maybe if my bank balance gets high enough, I can be saved. No, that doesn't work. Maybe if I have enough friends, and they look at me and say, man, he's a nice guy, and they really like me. 
that's not going to save me. Maybe if I do a lot of good deeds, if I could go work at the soup kitchen, if I help my neighbor mow their yard, if I am just a really good person, maybe that will save me. No, that doesn't work either. Maybe if I go to church enough, that will save me. Nope, that won't save me either. The good news, the gospel message is that Jesus saves. That's not us earning or achieving or doing. The good news is that Christ has done it all. And I can lay down and rest in that. I can bask in the glory that Christ has achieved salvation for me. There's no hope on my own, but Jesus has saved me. And we praise him because of that. So rest in the good news. Believe in that good news. The good news is that Jesus saves. On Easter, we remember the empty tomb that Jesus raised from the dead. That he defeated death. He conquered sin. He was victorious. And this sends shockwaves through the whole world and through all of our life. That he's saving through this. What's even more amazing is that power of God that raised Jesus from the grave is still at work. That the power of God that he used to raise Jesus from the dead is still at work in us who believe in Christ. Let that sink in. I love how Paul in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, he's praying for these Christians in this town, and he's talking about, and he mentions how there's an immeasurable greatness of power, God's power towards us who believe. And he equates and he says, it's the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, that raised him from the grave. And he's making this connection. He says, that same power, the power of God that brings Jesus back to life, the power of God that brought Lazarus back to life, the power of God that can save, that is working in us right now. That if we know Jesus, that power of God boils in our veins, that is transforming us bit by bit, that we have a new life in Christ. Christ, that we forever change and secure in what, who he is and what he has done for us. That we no longer have to fear for the future, for we know what it holds. That even in trials and hardships, we can cling to this hope, knowing the reality that our God has saved us through Jesus Christ. And we pray, and we hope, and we rejoice, because the good news is that Jesus saves. Do you believe it? Do you believe this truth? If you do, if you say yes, I would just say lean into it. Bask in the glory of it. Let yourself live in light of it. Let it transform you, every bit of you, as you walk in what he has done for you. Trust Jesus, serve Jesus, love him. Rely on it through all your life. And if you say no, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you've heard this message many times. I don't know if you rejected it. I don't know where you stand. But if you don't know or believe this to be true, I would just say this. Look to the cross and the empty tomb. Look at Jesus. I dare you. I dare you to look at him. But be warned. Looking at Jesus and knowing him for who he is Turn you life inside out and upside down. Looking and knowing Christ has a power to change you. 
So I dare you, if you're brave enough, look to Jesus. See who he is. Investigate him. Ask him questions through the word. Guess what? He can handle any question you have. But look to him and he will change you. Because the good news, the news we celebrate this day on Easter, is that Jesus saves. It's not only the good news, it's the greatest news. It's not only the greatest news, it's the most relevant news to your life. It's not only the most relevant news, it's the most important news you'll ever hear that Jesus saves if you believe in him. That God saves by his grace through our faith in Jesus Christ alone. Let us pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for who you are. We love you, Lord. We seek you. We ask that you continue working us in great and mighty ways. Lord, we pray that we know this gospel message and we celebrate this gospel message and we live in light of this gospel message, the good news that Jesus saves. Lord, we love you. We seek you in all of this. Lord, we ask that you continue working our lives greatly and mightily. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have so we have a few people who are going to be baptized this morning because uh, they, they believe in this gospel message. They believe in this truth that God has saved them through Jesus Christ. And so if that's you, you can make your way to the restrooms and get changed in to your uh, clothes, and you can come back up here. And so after this song, we'll have uh, the baptisms.